Hey, this is Luke Vaughn, the assistant youth pastor at The Rock Youth, and we are so excited for you to hear our latest sermon. Take a listen. I would venture to say that one of the most terrifying things in the world is starting in a new school. Can anybody attest to that? Starting in a brand new school with brand new people. Oh, you're all so much more brave than I am. Raise your hand if you were scared to start at a new school when you went from eighth grade to freshman year. Man, a lot of you guys are so confident or you're homeschooled. So it's like, same teacher, it's my mom. Okay, so sorry, I had to throw it out. Hey, honestly, I'm going to be honest. My youth pastor used to destroy homeschoolers with jokes, and I promise I would never be that guy. I love every single one of you that is homeschooled, and it's awesome. Um, so, uh, but I would venture to say that, that starting in a brand new school is really difficult. I've had to do this several times when we moved to Southern California when I was 13, and I started at a new school down there at a new middle school. And then again, when I moved to Oregon and I went to college, that was absolutely terrifying. I went up on this golf scholarship, expecting all my teammates to be really close friends. Literally, no joke, the first night I'm at this school, and I was like, okay, I'm going to hang out with this crew tonight. It's going to be super fun. They all left, and they went to like some school down south in Beaverton and to go party and do all the stuff that I wasn't going to do. And it was like, really bad and I was left alone in my dorm room and I'm sitting there and it's the my, I'm like still emotional I said bye to my parents that day all the people I thought I was going to hang out with and be friends with they left and they're just making dumb decisions and I'm sitting there by myself in my dorm knew basically nobody except for a, a few people that I had met on my tour there and I'm just sitting there and I'm like is this what it's going to be like am I just going to be alone and then comes down the hallway, this absolute saint of a human being, no joke, his name was John Pastor, okay? His name was actually John Pastor, okay? And John Pastor, I will never forget this guy, the kindest man I've ever met in my life. He literally comes down the hallway, and first, I don't know, it, it must have been the Holy Spirit, because he, he's, I think he knew that I was alone. He just comes down, my door was open, he comes, and he was like, Hey, like, how's it going? And, okay, and this guy, by the way, this guy wore, was like kind of dorky, okay? So he wore, like, he wore the Harry Potter glasses, like the circular Harry Potter glasses, but not as like a joke. Like those were his prescription glasses. And then he was like really like lanky and like kind of awkward, like really smart. He was Portland, okay? Have you ever been in Portland? You got it. That was this guy, okay? Like, and so he comes by my, by my room, and I was like, hey, John, what's up? I had met him earlier that day, and he's like, hey, do you want to come down to my room, and I'll make you a cup of coffee? And I was like, dude, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Why are you drinking coffee? And I was like, that's what they do in Portland. So I, I go into John's room, we sit down, and honestly, we literally talked for like three hours. We talked about faith. We talked about God. We talked about friendships. We talked about all this stuff for like three hours, and we just sat there drinking coffee and getting to know each other. And he knew nothing about me. He literally, and he was just so stinking kind and it just so accepting. I just, I was alone. I was emotional. He comes by my room and he's like, hey, you know, come down and sit in my room. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk. No, he had nothing to gain from this whatsoever. And as I was thinking about examples of, and demonstrations of love, how people have loved even me in my life when I didn't expect it or I didn't anticipate it, that story came to mind because I believe that the driving force in John Pastor is the same one that should be driving us, which is the love of God that overflows in us to other people. That should be the driving force for everything I do. God fills me so I overflow to you. That should be the way in which I live. It should be my mantra, my modus operandi. It should be I get filled so I flow. I get filled with the love of God. So therefore, every single one of you, whenever you're around me, is going to feel so stinking loved. 
That's the goal of my life, and it's the goal of what we're talking about tonight. Um, like I said, the essence of what we're talking about is, is love, but culture, unfortunately, has absolutely warped and twisted what love actually is. They've, they've tried to hijack the definition of what love is, but before, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You've probably heard this before. You've probably heard say, um, God is love, right? You've heard people say, God is love, um, and, and that's not just something people say. It's actually in the Bible. It's in 1 John 4, 7, or 4, 8. It says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? Love. For God is what? Love. God is love. So before we go any farther, let's define biblical love. I love to define our terms. Let's define biblical love. Not love according to the world, okay? Not according to what it's what they claim love to be on Euphoria or whatever ungodly shows you watch. Like not not love according to Bachelor in Paradise, okay? Or I don't know, what's like what are like the shows now? Like what are uh, every every like every streaming platform has its own like spin-off. Like Anyways, but they try to tweak and, and thwart and change what love is, but that's why I want to say, let's look at what biblical love is. If I'm going to love people, I want to love people like Jesus, not like Peter from The Bachelor, okay? I want to love people in the way that Jesus does, okay? Don't ask me why I know Peter was on The Bachelor, okay? Okay. <laughs> Chase knows. All right. That's, uh, that's yeah, no. So we're going <laughs> to move on. Biblical love, okay? Many people believe in our world that love equals affirmation and agreement, and that is not the case. Love, okay, uh, example. Um, Well, you don't love me because you disagree with my lifestyle. No, I definitely love you, but I, 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 and I disagree. You can love somebody and disagree with the way that they live. We do it all the time. You can love people and disagree with them politically, Last week should be an example of this. Last week with Roe v. Wade should have been our shining moment as Christians to say, I can disagree with you, but I stink and love you. And can I tell you, unfortunately, I feel like the church failed because we were so busy shoving our political agenda on, on either side of the aisle that we forgot to love people like Jesus loves them. And by the way, I am so for truth, and believe me, I, I, I stand on the side of life. I stand on the side of let's not kill b- babies, okay? I stand on that side of things. But I don't want to get so on one side of an aisle that I forget that everybody needs the love of God, not just the people that agree with me, okay? But love does not mean affirmation or agreement. I can disagree with you and still love you. You could disagree with me about a lot of things and still love me. That's, that's going beyond, Okay. The next one is this. A lot of people think that love is a feeling. Um, that it's just, okay, well, I like, you're like in seventh grade, and you're like, well, I just feel like when I'm with him, like I'm going to marry him. And it's like, no, okay? Like you're in puberty, all right? Like you don't know anything, all right? Like uh, I, you're like, well, like I just feel so good. And like, I guess, like, is this love? This is love, right? Like you got the goosebumps one time, like because he grazed your hand. And you're like, I'm already planning the wedding, okay? It's like, no, that's not, that's not love. Love is not a feeling. Biblical love is something else entirely. And it's not something that you can just sum up in one little tweetable sentence. As convenient as that that would be, if you could just sum up like love is this, 
You actually can't. But you could do it in a Bible passage. And that's what we're going to read tonight. But I want to say this. And if, if, if there's like a main point or a main idea of this, it's this. Love is not a feeling. Love is not agreement. Love is a lifestyle. Love is a lifestyle. It, somebody said love is a verb, just like John Mayer said, okay? Love is a verb. It is a lifestyle. It is a way in which I live. It's a way in which I interact. It's a way that God fills me in these ways so I can extend it to other people, even people who are difficult, okay? So 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth, by the way, the context of what Paul is talking about here, he just finished rebuking the church in Corinth because they were going buck wild with all the spiritual gifts, no sort of balance or anything. They're just going crazy, and Paul's trying to bring some balance. And he has this little pause in 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, if I could speak in all the languages of earth, he's basically saying, if I could speak in tongues more than anybody else, but I didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. In other words, I could be killing it in every department of faith, but if I am not loving, I have failed entirely. You could be reading your Bible six hours a day, interceding for the nations, okay? You're, like, you're in your prayer closet all the time, but you go out to Taco Bell and you just go off on this employee and you're just so unloving. By God's standards, you're actually failing at the mission. I, is it great to read your Bible? Yes, and you should. You absolutely, if you're a Christian, read your dang Bible, okay? You need to pray. We need to pray for other people. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to do all this stuff. It's so important. But what scripture is telling us is you could do all the stuff, but if you don't love, we're failing. We are failing. And can I tell you, I think we so easily as Christians start to dismiss people that we don't think we need to love because they don't agree with us or they don't look like us, or they don't act like us, or they don't come to our church, or they don't come to any church. And we say, well, I don't need to love them, 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 her, and him, and all them. I could just like have my little group. But man, the love of God extends past the people that are convenient. The love of God extends past people that we agree with, okay? But why is it so important to love? Well, John, uh, Jesus says it in John 13, now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove, everyone say prove. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Other translations say they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love. We got to understand what this verse is saying for us as Christians, as young Christians, boys at the top. We got to understand why this is so severe for us, why this is so important. Jesus is saying, the, how the world sees me, how the world sees Jesus is contingent. That means it relies on the way in which I love people. I don't want the world or the people in my circle to get a false image of Jesus because I didn't love well. Hello? I, didn't, I don't want my friends that don't know Jesus to get a bad taste of him because I gave them a bad taste of God's love. God's love is not situational. God's love is not conditional. 
God's love is not there when you're on good behavior and gone when you're on bad behavior, okay? So why do I treat my friends with that kind of love? Why do I treat, uh, or even, let's, let's, let's graduate past loving our friends. That should be easy. Why do I treat the, the, the person who's slightly weird at school and I like them when they're not being annoying, and I love them. I love on them when they're not being annoying. But then they start being annoying, and it's like, you know what? I just I need boundaries. Okay, I can't be around that. I just need my space. And it's like, what's? I'm sorry, but like, what would Jesus do to ask the Bob Goff question? He would love first. Okay. Jesus was not afraid to go past the norm to love people. Look at John four, the woman at the well. That culture, what Jesus does at the woman, with the women at the well in John chapter 4 was against every cultural norm, yet he went past all the cultural norms to show somebody that he cares for them and has a purpose for their life. But how often do we just dismiss people? Do we say, you're difficult, so I dismiss you? And this isn't supposed to be necessarily convicting. It's, in, it's, an, invi- it's an invitation. It's an invitation to love God how God loves, to love and to show the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the joy and the love of God. So we've defined what love is not. Love is not always agreeance uh, or, or agreement. It's not affirmation. I can completely disagree with you and your lifestyle and your politics and everything, but we can still have love in common. We can still have love in common. But this is what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. If you've been to even one wedding, you've heard this verse. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, de- it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I could sit here and break down each one of these attributes and break it all down for you and say, you know, let's talk about patience for 10 minutes. And we could talk about patience for 10 minutes. We could talk about kindness for 20 minutes. We could do all of that. But I think you all are really smart. You know what this verse means. I don't need to explain to you what it means to not be jealous or not be proud. I'm pretty sure you got it. You're in middle school and high school. I don't need to break that down for you. But what we are going to do is we're going to take five minutes and invite the Holy Spirit to show us where we may have misstepped. So I'm just going to sit, and I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the preaching. I'm going to let God do the preaching through his word. Okay? If we want to love like Jesus, this is what we need to do. So ask yourself this, and you can even close your eyes. Actually, let's do, actually, close your, everybody close your eyes. The message is over. This is just, this is Holy Spirit moving. This is Holy Spirit speaking to you. If you want to be an overflow and a vessel and an extension of the love of God, even to the most difficult people in your life, maybe even they're your family, I want you to begin to ask, even under your breath out loud, say, Holy Spirit, show me where I have not loved well. And I'm just going to ask you some questions. Are you patient? 
Or are you quick-tempered, easily offended, and angry because nobody is doing what you want at that moment? Are you kind? Or are you jaded, full of attitude and sass, and love to have the last word? Are you jealous? Or are you content with who you are and what you have? Are you boastful and proud? Or are you humble and lowly, putting others before yourself? Are you rude? Or do you prioritize making others feel cared for, seen, and valued? Do you demand your own way? Or are you go with the flow and a person who is easy to compromise with? Are you irritable? Or are you even keel and you keep your composure? Do you hold a grudge? Or do you extend the same forgiveness towards others that Christ has shown to you? Do you celebrate others' pain? Or do you hurt even when those you don't like are hurting? Are you hopeful? Or do you only anticipate the worst? Does the love you have for others endure through every circumstance? Or do you give up loving when it's inconvenient. Father, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would teach us all over again how to love. Show us the people. Show us the other students. Show us the teachers, the family members that we have not loved well. Show us the school faculty. <laughs> Show us the, the janitor that we were rude to. Show us the, the worker at the boba place that we were mean to when our drink took too long. Father, I thank you that when you convict us, it's not out of anger, it's out of your love. You're revealing truth. To us. Father, would we not be found as Christians who barely love, but rather ones who overflow with yours? Even as we're praying, I want you to ask God who are the people that I have not loved well? Who is it that I have? mistreated, I've given attitude to, I've been rude to, I've been impatient with. Even as we're praying, I just feel led to talk to the guys in the room. Guys, how have you dishonored your fathers by not being obedient? Or even hurt the hearts of your mothers when we've given attitude. 
and the girls in the room? Has there been attitude unwarranted? Father, would you teach us how to love? Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to love how you love. And even as we close, I feel that there's some of us in the room, we're talking about loving other people, but but you don't even know how the Father in heaven loves you. Father, I thank you that your love for us is not contingent, doesn't rely on how well we behave, how much we come to church, but it is simply because you sent your son to die on the cross who mediates, who stands in the gap, who stands between us and you. And when you look at us, you see your son. You look at us through the lens of the cross. You look at us not with anger, but with love in your eyes. I feel like somebody needs to hear that tonight. God is not angry at you. He's angry at your sin, yes, because he hates sin, but he has love for you. If no one else in your life is telling you those words, hear it from the Father. He says, I love you. My love is not based on how well you behave, how pretty you are, how in shape you are, how good of grades you have, how well you do in sports. My love for you exists because you belong to me. So Father, we ask you tonight, teach us, lead us, and guide us in how to love even the most difficult people in our lives. We love you and we praise you. Everyone in the room said, amen, amen. That was such an amazing sermon. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on Spotify by searching The Rock YTH, or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have here going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. We'll see you next time.